On program. On program. Hands on head, eyes front, feet on the floor. Do it. You two, on program now. On program. Now. Do it. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I'm I suggest we use it. On program now. Well, hey there, folks. Welcome to the show. This is On Program. As you know, Mandalorian wrapped up. We're excited to talk about it. We got some good vibes. We got some bad vibes. We got some fence riding vibes. And either way, it's going to be a good time. We got a a great gang here to to chit chat about it. Can't wait. Can't wait to dive on into this one. It was uh, a very interesting one. And uh, got a good crew here. Michael. Michael's joining us. How you doing, Michael? Hello there. Doing well. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Eric E.B., how's it going, brother? I'm doing great, Chance. Excited to be here to talk to you about all this. Yeah, this one's uh, this one's going to be a good one. This one's going to be great. I, I'm excited. You know, when we started this whole thing, the thought was always, uh, you know, what do you do when you jump into stuff that might be a bit more divisive, right? Like, I, I had a podcast before where I tried this. We, we dove in. We, uh, we had a lot of fun when The Mandalorian was starting out. Michael, you were there for this. It was a, it was a great time. And then, and then Rise of Skywalker came out, and it kind of killed my vibe. <laughs> it killed my buzz. It, it made me, uh, you know, I didn't want to be a negative voice in this space. I had already survived the saga that was The Last Jedi, and, you know, and all the toxic uh, nonsense that, that happened there. And so, you know... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, and so I think navigating the fandom is something that I'm excited to do. I think, uh, I think we're excited to, to see how this all goes. Uh, but, uh, but what the, Hey, let's get into it. Um, the Mandalorian season finale wrapped up. It's done. Uh, Michael, go ahead and give us your, uh, your overall impressions. And first thing I would say, spoiler warning, check it out. See what you think. You know that it's divisive. That's not a spoiler, but uh, but we're going to get into spoilers, so go ahead and see it and then come back. Michael, what would you think? Yeah, I think we, we talked a little bit about it before um, getting in here, and I'm clearly on the pro side. I, I did hate it. I, I have criticisms as, as usual. My overall vibe was they packed a lot into a single episode, but they wrapped it up neatly. Uh, I'm not mad about it. I think the the biggest enemy of this particular episode is our own expectations. So I think we we hyped ourselves up so much and we got so excited for so many things that when it didn't pan out exactly how we wanted, I think it can be disappointing. But for me, if I try to kind of remove myself from the expectations, the conversations we've had and just kind of take it as a whole as what it was, I thought it was a pretty decent episode of Star Wars. So I'll take it. Yeah, listen, I think that's fair. You know, one of the biggest things I've been trying to do because my general thoughts on this episode were it, it 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 was I think deflating and maybe a touch underwhelming and so, you know I I'm I'm left after the episode okay so so let me roll it back right I wake up so early to watch these things like I'm sure a handful of you uh, first thing in the morning you wake up you go downstairs you you try to check this thing out and so it's three a.m. I actually rope Lauren in to come watch it with me because I had a a fair assumption that I was going to see some Thrawn action, and, and I wanted to I wanted to share that moment, you know. Uh, that ended up not happening. Obviously, that's not the episode's fault. Um, and I'm, so I'm left really wondering what, how much of this episode is 
is is actively bad or is it just like like you were saying Michael my own expectations like how much of the problem lies with me and how much of it lies with the episode so that's been my journey I think there was a lot of great stuff in here there's very little that was actively bad I have very little problems with uh you know with with what happened I think there was some great stuff that happened in here uh but just a breakneck pace and overall I think deflating given given what we were excited to see but uh, but that's my sort of fence straddling position there. Eric, go ahead. Tell us what you think. Hey, guys, well, I'm going to channel my inner Sebulba right now and go chapter 24 Poodoo. <laughs> uh, I was uh, I was not a fan uh, of the whole thing. Um, I thought that the the storyline that the writers and producers and the creators chose to pursue was fairly lazy and unimaginative. Um, there are a lot of missed opportunities. Um, certainly that it certainly I'm not saying it wasn't enjoyable, but, um, when you consider that, um, when I opened up Disney and it said a 41 minutes total time for episode, I said, Oh man, I got a bad feeling about this. Mm. And, uh, if you take out the two minutes and six seconds of the intro and you take out the remaining five minutes and 45 seconds of the end credits, that's a 33 minute episode, basically 33 and a half minute episode. So are those ballpark to numbers context, <laughs> to put it in context? The season finale of season three was the ninth shortest episode of the 24. Um, the preceding season finales went 47 minutes in season two and 50 minutes in season one. And um, I agree with Michael that there was probably a lot of expectation that was put upon this episode. Maybe some of it was unwarranted. But I feel that it was equally met with um, just a lack of uh, a lack of effort uh, by the by the, the Disney Star Wars team. So, um, yeah, can I, can I, I ask can a get, question, Eric, too? Uh, yeah, go it ahead. sounds to me like you, you might agree. Would you say that this episode was sort of reflective of the entire season as a whole? I would, you know, I would, I would put it this way. Um, I would have to have to sit down with Dave Filoni and John Favreau myself and have them tell me that they were actually the ones that wrote this and directed this stuff. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they let the interns, they let the interns run the asylum on this. And I think it's pretty clear from the this season as a whole, um, seven, seven whiffs out of eight episodes to include this last one. Um, and yeah, I, Listen, like you said, not that I don't enjoy Star Wars, not that I'm not grateful to wake up and have it every week, but I really do believe um, there was such a high bar set, and uh, this season finale came nowhere close to um, being on par with uh, where I think the capability and uh, the the genius, um, you know, really lay. So you're um, not mad; you're just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're I, capable I, I of, say, son. <laughs> as, as much as I, I would agree with a lot of the sentiment, I think there was a lot of laziness, a lot of kind of cop outs and cheap ways of just tying everything off when it could have been much more complex, considering the amount of time we talked about the spies in the last uh, recording here. And that didn't even have any bearing as far as we can tell. But but I, right. I think the nice thing is at least this didn't it didn't have any damaging effects from what I can remember. Nothing long-term damaging to the canon. It's not no, like a Rise of Skywalker that. situation. Yeah. It's, it may have been boring in some cases, may have been disappointing, may have not lit up to our expectations, but at least didn't harm right. the rest of canon yet. <laughs> not well, so let, me, far let, me, let me put it this way. Um, we've gone through years, we've decades of, you know, this 
this mystique of the Mandalorians. Um, and we've seen it through multiple, uh, multiple mediums um, in the universe. So with the books, we've seen it in TV shows, we've seen it in the movies in some sense. Um, and we finally have the Mandalorians, all the different tribes and clans coming together, uh, all the, the interwarring factions coming together to retake Mandalore. And we got that done in about eight minutes. <laughs> um, I mean, it, you know, I, I just, I just, I just think that something, something of that significance was, I believe, my opinion, it was worthy and it was due a little more. You know, quantity is not always is not quality. I'm not trying to say that, but I do believe that there wasn't really. It, we seem to get rushed to get through the point, and we we. We're supposed to understand and believe how we know how it's going to turn out. And we're just going to kind of speed read our speed read our way through it and get to the very end. Um, and I thought that there were just missed opportunities to to do some great uh, character to continue character development. There was great opportunities um, to show uh, things in more depth, like the, the coming together of the uh, the children of the watch and the, the uh, you know, the, the normal rank and file Mandalorian. Um, and that just was just to me, it was just pushed through in an attempt yeah. to kind of get let's let's just get this thing wrapped up we're we're done with it we're done for the season let's just get it wrapped up and and move on to the next one yeah no so i think that a lot of that is fair and you know and this is where my my fence sitting comes in because yeah there, there was there was this episode to me was aggressively okay um you know i i don't know that i <laughs> share your uh pessimism eric but i also I, I, you know, I'm not going to like stand here and and refute a lot of it either. So, um, but you know, Hey, we're 10 minutes in. And and so clearly there's some emotion here. There's clearly (laughs) some, uh, some, some feelings. So, you know, let's, let's dive in, let's discuss it and let's go, you know, sort of point by point. So the episode, it opens up just a smash cut from where we were last time. Paz Vizsla hits the floor at the end of the last episode it cuts, and then this one opens with Bo and the rest of the gang just just running pell mell back through the uh, back through the caves, uh, you know, leading out of the base into the the wider uh, ruins, and then it you know, some some pretty cool action, really. You know, the the commandos are chasing them. Uh, they use a, a pretty cool little bomb there. They use the jetpacks and fire. There's some some really neat action, some neat choreography there. I'm not going to take that away for a second, and then it cuts back to. Uh, Axe, Axe Woves going through space in his jetpack and just, they just wanted to rip my bandaid off right away, right? Like my, my whole yeah. conspiracy theory, smack it right down from the beginning. It's <laughs> like, Ed, stop it. <laughs> Sit back down and, and watch this show. Axe is not a spy. He's a hero, right? He goes, flies all the way to space with a jetpack, which we'll, I'm sure, uh, discuss. Yeah, I'm but ready to, I'm ready to go into that one. Right oh, yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, no, is, I, he is the Tom Cruise maverick of, of Mandalorians, <laughs> pushing his jetpack to the edge of the envelope, flying faster than ever before. <laughs> exactly. And he also... Or at least packing more fuel in than ever before. And he solved the icing problem. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but anyway, so he gets into the ship and, uh, you know, they... They execute this plan flawlessly. Uh, all the Mandalorians on the ship leave the skeleton crew that was there. Uh, they all fly into the other gauntlets, head into the atmosphere. And the one thing I really did enjoy was this this shot where the gauntlets fly through, 
They linger on the clouds for a second, and then the interceptors and bombers come roaring up. And then, of course, uh, you know... Visually, that whole fight in space was so epic. It was really cool. It happened way too fast. It was so (laughs) nice. Yeah, no, so I think this is a good... That's a good uh, chunk for right now. Let's dive into that a bit more. Um, Michael, I know you're chomping at the bit to talk about the jetpack, so I'll let you have that. And then, of course, any other thoughts you had. Go ahead. So, I I mean, we we talked about this, I think, in possibly one of the the previous as of yet unreleased podcasts, but I was really happy in one of the previous episodes when they established a limit to the jetpacks. And now, unfortunately, we have to sort of assume that that was like not necessarily a limit on the jetpack, but maybe on their relative supplies on that one planet where the covert was sitting out because he definitely went farther, faster, had more power putting out of his jetpack to get into even, let's say, its low Earth orbit or planet orbit, whatever. Um, but still he had a lot of, he would have had to have a lot of thrust, a lot of power to get, to break atmosphere, even as a single person, probably a lot more than to just kind of cruise and follow a, a bird thing, you know, that apparently regularly takes their younglings and, uh, people for lunch. So yeah, I was, I was a little mad about that as much as cool as it was to see. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. I'm still watching this guy shoot his way from the ground, from below ground, all the way up into orbit, jump right in the ship, even though again, it was really cool. That just kind of it kind of irked me for the number of times that we've been like, oh, they should have just used their jetpacks. And we have been able to assume to this point, well, they don't have that much fuel. They couldn't mm. possibly. They've used it. They're trying to conserve fuel. Yeah. Apparently not. Apparently they don't even need spaceships. They can just launch themselves into space. No, you're right. And, you know, and that's one of the things that did. This has been a, a journey I've been on. Right. So in the original trilogy, you got Boba Fett with his, his sort of jump pack. And then, you know, later on, you're you're playing Battlefront games and you see the. The jetpacks, basically, they just jump you around place to place. There's not much, uh, you know, control you can have. And then in the Clone Wars, you see these people flying around with ships and everything. And I'm like, ah, this is this is interesting. This is a choice. Uh, and then it's it's really only ramped up from there. To see them yeah. go into, even if it was a low atmosphere uh, or in atmosphere orbit, that was a that was a choice. Uh, and, and, and boy, they made it. So, hey, you know. And, and even immediately after, right, when the reinforcements finally come, come down, my wife pointed out that they were, in fact, flying faster the the man jetpacks were flying faster than the ships were flying true we can say they were flying slowly but still you know we saw we saw uh dinjarin do something similar to a tie fighter in the in the it was a first season finale there as well so you know and it was nice to know that there was some sort of limitation okay they can go fast they can go really high whatever but they, they have limited fuel this was one of those times where like well he used a pretty substantial amount of fuel already we saw him and then apparently that was just not a problem. Yeah. And, and look, look, I, back out of the ship. <laughs> we know, you know, and it's I think I'm not cool. trying to I, I I think at a certain point we have to acknowledge that, you know, it is science fantasy. So we'll we'll lump it into things that bothered. But, uh, you know, it's it's not illusion breaking. But um, but yeah, Eric, go ahead, man. Uh, dive in on what you thought about that chunk. You know, this is the first uh, first two minutes of this thing. Sure. Visually stunning. Right. That's my that was my first impression. Um, but as soon as I saw Axe, you know, um, hit the hit the, the the, you know, the the atmosphere, I had that rise of Skywalker moment, that Poe Finn moment like, oh, we've oh, they, they jetpacked through the atmosphere now. Yeah. They jetpacked through the atmosphere now. Right. Yeah. All right. So yep. I'm just going to hit the I believe button. I'm not going to belabor the point. I mean, again, I thought it was it was it was uh, incredible to watch the detail, I think, is always uh always very impressive. Uh, but I just had to hit the, I believe button on a lot of things uh, because I could easily have gotten wrapped around uh, some of the artificiality, which 
Um, I questionably, does it matter? Some, some could say you could argue strongly. Yes. Or you could argue strongly. No. Um, but you know, I think, uh, I think, I think, I think as a whole, all right, fine. It's, again, it just kind of speaks to my uh, thought of, it was just a, kind of a, a rush job to, to kind of get through a lot of those things. And, um, you know, some of the details were just going to be some of the details or some of the things they could have done in and around those scenes to make them appear more believable, um, from a time and, and, uh, maybe technology perspective got, got overlooked. That might be and, a know, constant when they, refrain. That, when, when they did that, I was hopeful at that point that they were going to, um, okay, they're trying to save time. They're going to spend more time doing other things. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I was willing to give them the mulligan on that. And then only to find out that, um, Oh, hey, they they used all down. 33 of those minutes or whatever you said. But um, but yeah, no, you're right. It, it's a it's a constant refrain. And, and I'm I, we're going to keep coming back to it because um, it's, it's valid. You know, it all it all moved at a breakneck pace, um, you know, and that and that continued from there. Right. They send the they send the gauntlets through atmosphere. The ship gets destroyed as a decoy. The bombers obliterate it. It was kind of cool to see. Um, Axe put up a token resistance, you know, using the turrets, shot a TIE interceptor, uh, you know, so it, they sold the illusion, uh, and then the ship starts crashing down, and then you had the the sort of epic battle. A lot of these things are going concurrently, so listen, we might get some of the, the details of the times, uh, you know, not, not exactly right, but... Um, but a lot of these battles were going concurrently. You had Bo-Katan and the armorer and everybody uh, leading this this huge charge toward the base, and then all the super commandos decide, hey, what the heck, let's just fly into the sky and charge at them like a medieval horse charge. So they do that, uh, and they have a pretty epic fight in the in the sky, uh, as it were, and they're 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 going at it. Meanwhile, Din is being dragged through the through the hallways uh, of the base. To the the debriefing room that Gideon so uh, you know surreptitiously said last time, and um, dragging him through, and then he picks a spot where he's gonna fight back, and he does. He he gets he gets pretty pretty far along uh, just by himself with restraints, and it was pretty impressive. But at the end of it, it looks like the super troopers got his uh you know got the drop on him, and then Grogu in the IG twelve suit comes up behind him. And it was it was a pretty cool moment, right? He said, you know, no, 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 and he's and he's got his just he's emoting. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, it was a pretty cool moment. Din's laying there on the ground. He sprays him with the back to spray. I had very little issue with that, other than like we keep saying, it happened very, 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 very quickly. Um, does anyone have anything to say about that whole thing, other than it happened very, very quickly? I, I have one complaint that'll probably lead into the rest. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think the the action was great. It was really cool to see all that. Uh, we kind of skipped over our five scomping into the base, I think. But um, that was its own thing. The biggest complaint I have is that Moff Gideon has somehow has the ability of tracking both Din Djarin and uh, IG-11 through his base, which I'll, I'll give you, you know, life science detectors are not abnormal for sci-fi shows, though I don't know we often see them in Star Wars. But... What I'm confused by is that Moff Gideon says, I'll deal with him myself or something to that effect, and then proceeds to leave and go like further back into his command center and then let Din Djarin continue come, go through all of his guards, go through his clones, kill his clones, and then come to the command center. If I were, you know, Moff Gideon at this point thinking I'm going to stop him or I'm going to take care of him, maybe I would have positioned myself at very least between the guards and the clones, you know, if he really cared about all that stuff being destroyed, but I don't want to get too far ahead of the story. Yeah, well, uh, you it was know, just some planning to that point. I was, 
I was just confused. I'm like, wait, you just said I'll go take care of him, and then you didn't. Um, what? Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, Eric. No, I was. I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to chime in and interrupt, but I was. I was just agreeing with Michael. Um, you know, about how some of the some of the details um, don't lend themselves to, or lack of details don't lend themselves to believe the believability of the shot, the scene, or the progression in the story at that particular moment in time. Um, yeah, there was a lot, lot, lot of questions about how, you know, one, albeit very capable Mandalorian, but one Mandalorian, you know, dragging a, dragging a robot behind him um, could, get, could, get, could get so far so fast. Yeah, you know, that, that's fair. Uh, I will say, though, in defense of this episode, the, the scene with the hallway with the, the individual ratios where R5 was shutting off one by one, um, you know, that was, I dug it. That I was cool. It. Yeah. And, and, and look at combat too. Yeah. Right. right. Like how he used the different weapons, uh, used the element of surprise and then, and then used the different weapons the next time played off each other, a little rope of dope action. Um, and then, uh, and then the third one, you know, escalating using the weapon, uh, you know, the sort of the stun baton thing. And then the last one, there was so much smoke that they couldn't see. So he got the element of surprise back. Uh, I, I really liked how each, section of that fight was new and inventive and it was very iterative it was it was pretty cool i i, I liked that uh that was one of the higher points i had the for sudden me. desire to see some beskar shields i want yeah. to see some hand shields yeah like not just the power shield things force fields. i was like no this could be really cool actually yeah you know that was that was neat i could have i mean r5 it's kind of cool to see uh his little arc uh the mouse droids i could have done without that was a little uh well like where did the where did r5 come from come on yeah Look, like at what point where, you can where? you can make the argument that that yeah. homeboy was there. But uh, but you're yeah. telling me after he was outed as a spy, right, for the Republic and they had to relocate their covert. They're like, you know, let's just take him with us to Navarro and then let's take him with us to Mandalore and our scouting party. Um, unless they somehow evacuated him off the ship and then dropped him down and he knew that he was there. He clearly was like Din Djarin knew he was out there. He just randomly goes, hey, R5, where are you at? You know, as though he was yeah. there the whole time. That was just, again, as Eric pointed out, kind of lazy writing. Yeah. No, look, so, I, so on, on that point, ex machina. <laughs> on that point, let, let, let me just say this. That's the classic example of that there. You know, it wasn't like we were pressed for time in this episode. It wasn't pushing up against an hour, an hour five. This episode was shorter than episode 10 in season two, which for those who don't remember, was the um, the frog lady episode called The Passenger. Yeah. We spent more time with the development of the frog lady storyline than we did with all of these other things. And I think, like I said, I just think it's a lot. Of, it's another example of just the, the missed opportunity. Um, how long, how, you know, 10 seconds scene here, 30 seconds of writing there. One, one could, line could've, of, could've, yeah, could've, of dialogue could have explained it. We could, we could have, we could, you could have added another fifteen minutes of content into this episode, and it still wouldn't have busted the the sixty minute mark. So, yeah, again, just missed opportunities as far as I'm concerned. I mean, and I'm not trying to 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 beat up on it. And and did I hate it? No, by no, by no stretch of the imagination did I hate it. I just, I just believe so much in where this show has gone that it just, um, it just. And we've seen it do better, that. right? We've seen yes, it do it better. Fell, fell short of a very reasonable expectation. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, and there's there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I'm sure we're not privy to. And, you know, to your point, Eric, it'd be fun to to sit down with a Filoni and a Favreau, you know, at, at later on and just be like, hey, so what 
what went on, right? Because I'm sure there's lots of off-the-record things that they'd, they'd love to say, you know, like the, the, when these galleries come out and, you know, you get to get to hear them dive in and you, you learn some of the challenges or what they were trying to do. Uh, you're not going to get the full picture. You're not going to get the, oh, yeah, we were just kind of hyped for Ahsoka and wanted to wrap this one up, <laughs> you know, like that that will never be said. But, uh, but yeah, it, you wonder because, yeah, some of these some of these decisions are head scratchers. Um, but, you know, that, that being said, there was some some really cool action. It moved at a at a breakneck pace, moves forward. Um, Gideon ends up presenting himself in the dark trooper suit, uh, heading off with, with Din and they, they go at it. You know, the, the Praetorian guards come up and, and fight Grogu, uh, and look like, look like they're really having an upper, having the upper hand there. Uh, some pretty neat choreography there watching Grogu escape the suit, uh, running around, you know, hopping around using the force, very Yoda esque, um, that was that was pretty cool. And then Bo-Katan sees this fight going on. She goes down and and uses the dark saber to to attack Gideon. And Gideon uh, produces a sort of uh, presumably Beskar based power Magna Guard spear uh, spear type situation. And uh, and and has a pretty awesome duel with Bo-Katan. I enjoyed that. Um, going around the room with any of that stuff, Michael, Eric. I'll start with you, Eric. This time, go ahead. What do you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was very, um, very fun to watch. Um, again, I kind of come back to this whole thing. Like there was the level of detail in the scene where you could hear the servo motors running in Gideon's dark trooper suit. And so we go to that level of detail um, about what Gideon's wearing and how it works. Um but we kind of take the dark saber and um, this iconic symbol of Mandalorian leadership and Mandalorian history and ties to the old Republic and the Jedi order. And it's, you know, in the course of the combat, it's destroyed and that's a totally realistic uh, scenario. Um, but there was, you know, you know, it was, it was never lamented. It was never mourned. It was never explained on how do we do this now without the dark saber um mm. i'll push back just, with you a little bit se- there but go ahead it, no it just it just seemed uh it just seemed again like a like a like a, a missed moment um uh, because you know we, we've come through the course of the comic books uh well i'm sorry the comics uh the, the comic tv shows uh, the clone wars and and even through this episode how significant i mean almost got almost this entire season's worth of episodes of the mandalorian have been dedicated to the dark saber and it's just seemingly lost without without any type of um yeah putting to bed of that particular story and, and fair enough right but i think that that raises the question of is that uh you know like whose fault is that you know like is is that do we bear some culpability for like these characters putting so much stock in this mythology when at the end of the day it is still an item right and that's and i think that's what Hold on, because this is where, I know where my... you're going with this, but, I... <laughs> but but this is this is sort of where, and, and I'll die on this hill because, you know, I, I think there's uh, there's a certain amount of precedent in Star Wars for 
you know, it's it's more important to have community. And then even Gideon says this in the fight. You know, he says, you're weak and you're useless without your little trinkets. And and then she says, Mandalorians are stronger together, right? That's been Bo's whole journey. I can't lead anyone without the Darksaber. And, you know, she couldn't before, so, you know... Um, Sabine had to give it to her in, in Rebels, you know, and there was this whole, there was this whole thing. You had Maul, a, a freaking former Sith Lord, take over their whole culture because of this stupid sword, you know? I mean, it, it's, it's absurd. And, and so, yeah, for them to move beyond that and say, hey, we don't, we don't need this. We're Mandalorians. Uh, I, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's some, some yes. pretty cool storytelling potential there. Now, to your point, I, they did breeze right past it. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's but, the problem. I totally agree. That's the problem. Yeah, it's the dark saber doesn't need to live forever, but the dark saber's end needs to be um, memorialized. At least addressed. <laughs> it needs to be memorialized because because Ed, if you're going to die on that hill, you have to die on this hill as well. You know that that epic speech of Din Djarin to Bo Katan about you know serving her loyally until her song is done, mm-hmm. and then the, and not to jump forward too much, but yeah, that but you're about episode, to. after that after that epic speech where we're all like <laughs> feeling it in our chest how how important it was, you know, without any explanation at all, you know, Mandalore is restored and Din decides to leave. Yeah. We don't know where that's going, man. Go that, to, that's I'm happy to go back to, and go back to go back to bounty hunting. We don't like, Oh my God. Like that, that whole, that whole thing was just, I mean, all right, we're jumping ahead. We'll get there for okay. sure. Sorry, um, right. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I get it. Like I said, this is fun. Cause be my old man brain coming out. There's a lot of, uh, no, no, not at all. It's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to discuss in this one. And so, you know, trying to, trying to work through it quasi chronologically, but I will say that, um, you know, Din's got it right. Din said, I don't, I don't care about this, this saber. And, you know, I think, Din is finally rubbing off on on Bo-Katan in that respect. And it's it's encouraging to see her growing as a leader. Now, you know, who knows? Maybe there will be a sort of a, a moment to discuss the, the Darksaber's destruction and that fallout later on. Um, but I I didn't mind that as much in this moment. I think, I, you know, when I was watching, I said, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> you know, like it was definitely a big moment. But, um, but, you know, and again, this is a bigger topic. We can dive into it, you know, the sort of what what level of uh, memorialization do we need for some of these things, right? I think back to The Last Jedi with Admiral Akbar. People were... People were were feeling some feelings about that, you know, and I was like, hey, it's war, you know, <laughs> stuff, stuff happens. You can you never know when you're going to catch a bullet. Right. Um, but in any event, the, the fight wraps up um, acts. You know, the ship is is crashing. Axe is diving it down kamikaze style to say, I'm going to take out this whole base, pull everybody out of there. And because they all have jetpacks, they all fly out like a bunch of bees and, uh, never run out of fuel. That's important too. They they don't, they don't run out of fuel (laughs) noted. Um, and then, uh, the ship comes through crashes into the base and obliterates. Everything is this massive fireball that consumes Gideon, who also decides not to leave with his jetpack. I can't remember if it was destroyed, I'm going to assume it was, um, but, uh, but yeah, so the fireball consumes him and you wonder what's going to happen to our heroes, but, uh, there's Grogu very much like Kanan in the finale of rebels standing there with a force shield protecting everyone. Um, that was a really, really cool moment. 
Um, you know, he held back the fire just like he did in, in the season finale of season one, um, you know, against that flame trooper. And it was, was, that was one of the moments I particularly enjoyed to see the foundling with, uh, with the history of the Jedi, uh, you know, merging these cultures and using it to save everyone, uh, and bring these two, uh, factions together and, and sort of say, this is the way forward. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, Eric, you have any thoughts on the, on the force, the fireball scene, Gideon, any of that? Yeah, I agree with what you said about seeing uh, Grogu's progression and um, seeing the seeing him protect uh, Bo and Din. I just <laughs> mourned. I mourned the. I mourned the passing of Gideon. Um, as I mourned the as I mourned the death or the destruction of the dark saber. Um, here is a here is a central figure. Like there was a central um, symbol. Uh, within within this uh, within this narrative, and his you know his death uh, just happened, and we we all just moved on from it. There wasn't any attention paid to it, uh, you know. Afterwards, minus minus whatever conversation was between um, Din and Captain Tiva, you know about uh, you know thanking one another for taking care of business and moving on to <laughs> help you know move the new public forward. So. All right, Michael, I'm going to kick it over to you now because I know that you uh, you sent to the group chat this uh, this thing. I am, I am 100% I can't on board. wait for this. Mustache gate, right? Listen. So, wait, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tee you up, and then I'm going to let you hit it out the park, okay? Yeah. So, one thing we missed was the cloning chamber. We finally got the big reveal of what was going on in there, and, and old boy was cloning himself and trying to make Force-sensitive clones, uh, and old boy, of course, being Gideon. And uh, so that was his sort of villain speech. He says, like, I made clones so I could they could possess what I never could, which is the force, you know, and so on and so forth. And uh, all right, go ahead. What's what's the theory? So I, I, I will come back to some other thoughts I had about the whole lightsaber fight and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm a little sad because uh, before I got a chance to express this opinion, I saw everybody else on the Internet or several other people on the Internet had the same one, which is that how do we know this was the real Gideon who was killed? If we know he had multiple at this point cloning facilities, he had a effort happening on multiple levels. He had all sorts of stuff going on with the cloning. Uh, how do we know these were the only ones? How do we know that the one that he that we saw die in this dark trooper armor was even him to begin with? Now, the the tangential theory there was that oh, Moff Gideon doesn't have a mustache, and <laughs> and he had a mustache in the first season, and he didn't in this season. Anytime we saw him, so clearly. He's a clone because clones, I don't know what the logic is there. I think it's a little comical. However, I have seen this play out in another series before. Stargate has done this very interestingly, where one of the the big bads towards the end of the series did clone himself. And he cloned himself multiple, multiple times to the point where none of the clones knew who the original was. They all thought they were the original. And so it ended up being this very interesting play out where they had to go hunt down all the clones. They all got them together together. It turned out poorly because they got them all together. It wasn't nearly as comical as it kind of seems like it should have been, but um, <laughs> it also worked out really well. Eventually, they killed them all off again. There was only one left. Whether that was the true one or not, it didn't really matter. But I'm I'm at this point fully expecting to see just it partially because of the unceremonious death and how they didn't really linger on it. I'm hoping that was more intentional than just uh, neglect. But I'm I think we're going to see more of it in the next season, at very least, if not the next season, possibly in the movie. But 
you know, they could have just as well been trying to get rid of him as fast as they could to, to bring out Thrawn. And I know you'll be happy about that. So, yeah, no, listen, I, I'm begging that this was another of the uh, hastily wrapped up plot threads, because I know there's probably, uh, you know, some some desire to see it pay off more. But my God, I am revolted by that theory, truthfully, and it would take a lot of soul searching for me to, to make that one work. Uh, there's precedent for it in Star Wars and all that, and I'd come to love it, or I'd come to accept it, but... Sheesh. I'm not saying I want it to happen either. I just think yeah. that it follows at this point. No, listen, Eric, you, you have any... You, you've expressed a lot of ire towards a lot of things. If you have any for it, uh, for this, <laughs> cue it up, my friend. Go. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I think it's... Uh, uh, it's it's fun topics of conversation, the what ifs, um, but certainly we're left without much to go off of into where season four is going to go, and maybe that's somewhat of a trend with how each of these preceding two seasons have ended, where that particular season or story or story arc was was wrapped up neatly, and then the the next season starts relatively fresh and anew. Um, I think I yeah, predicted I, I, that as much. Actually, yeah, I, I think I said that the last season or last. I can't year. I mean, I, I can't say what Michael's saying or what he's read and other people have, you know, postulated on on the Internet and other discussions and forums is wrong. And it, it could totally happen. It could totally be the way that it's going. Uh, my fear and concern is that we were so creative and we were so detailed in our in our theories about what was going to happen after the seventh episode that uh, my concern now at this point is that, you know, we will once again um create scenarios and possibilities in our head that um, will nowhere even be close to being matched. Yeah. You know, and I, and I'm going to invoke very, two... very little setup for season four. So I, you know, the, the, the window is wide open to think whatever you want and have it, have it not come to pass. I'm going to invoke two, uh, two very different minds here. And I'm going to say my Angelou says when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Right. And then Freud says, sometimes a pencil is just a pencil. And I, I, I think, uh, both of those are poignant here because we're tempted to blow this stuff up and, and try to make some big epic thing. Uh, but a lot of times the show has a, a track record of, like Michael said, you got two seasons, now three seasons of a complete whole wrap up. And, and sort of a reset and say, hey, we're going to bring these people back, but it's going to be a different vibe next time, right? So, um, you know, we, we, we probably should have seen some of this coming uh, a bit more than we did. And, yeah, some of, that's, some of that expectation management is on us because we can hope and we can get hype and excited, but, uh, but a lot of this stuff was set up before. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, again, don't, don't have too much negative to say about the, the meat and potatoes of it all. Uh, it's, it's more just the execution. It could have had a lot more time. Uh, a lot more time could have been spent on so many things. Um, so moving ahead, we wrap up, we have, uh, there's, there's the baptism in the, uh, in the holy waters, uh, whatever the, the sacred mines or, or whatever. I can't remember exactly what they call it, but they're, they're finishing, uh, Ragnar Vizsla's baptism and it's kind of cool because unlike the first baptism in the, in the, the first episode of the season, uh, the creed is, is sort of modified. It doesn't say anything about his helmet. So that's, that's intriguing. That was an interesting little plot thread. I also like how it tied up everything, uh, you know, sort of mirroring the intro. Um, and then, you know, the adoption of, of Grogu, I thought that was a pretty sweet moment. You know, maybe it, maybe it wasn't 
what we were leading to. Maybe it wasn't supremely relevant, but I thought that was really wholesome that he officially adopted him, gave him his name, you know, Din Grogu. I, I, I like that. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then we'll talk about the Rangers next, but, um, but what do we, what, what do we think about the, uh, the adventures? I know Eric, you have some thoughts about the adventures. So go ahead and tell me what you're thinking. What specifically you're referring to? Uh, how, how he goes off, you know, he adopts, uh, he adopts his, <clears throat> his son Grogu and then, uh, they start off on the pilgrimage, right? Yeah, I certainly, <clears throat> I certainly believe that that needed to happen. I didn't know, I didn't agree with um, that it needed to happen immediately after Mandalores were taken and um, they, you know, they relight the, uh, the grand furnace. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you see, you see Bo rightfully ascend to her position as the leader of the Mandalorians, uh, which includes, uh, which was amazing to see both factions uh, seemingly um, coming back together again. Yeah, uh, I, I felt I felt that um, I felt that Din and Grogu, um, as a you know as an apprentice now, no longer a foundling, um, deserved and would needed to have a, a longer um, a longer place uh, in in that part of the story. Yeah, fair enough. It goes back to it needed more time. Uh, it re- it really did. Um, Michael, you have any thoughts on the the sacred mines, the uh, appearance of the mythosaur, any of that? No, I, I agree with the overall sentiment that this whole episode needed time to breathe. Um, I would have taken thirty minutes from almost any other episode in the season to add even time Thank to you. breathe to this one, if not yeah. content, but like even just time. So, for example, we see we see um, it's not Pat, Paz Vizsla's son, right? Is the mm-hmm. one who's getting yeah Ragnar. We don't we. No mention of Paz Vizsla's sacrifice or his death or honor of him as a yep. warrior. Just completely forgot about it. Recaps yep. all we got. No mention of it. Would have would have really been nice. Um, I I didn't catch the modification of the creed, and I appreciate that. That's a really cool point. I haven't seen anywhere else. Um, very very confused and and kind of just put off, I guess, by the adoption of Grogu because we already heard. We already heard the armor say that he is like his, you know, you're you're going to be like its father, basically. So I realize he's not the same thing as being his father, but I just thought it was unnecessary. And then confused mostly by the Din Grogu thing, because every other name we've seen in Mandalorians at all, whether, whether it's Jango Fett, whether it's Satine, whether it's Sabine, whether it's the Vizlas, every single one of them uses a, a more traditional Western last name mm-hmm. as your clan name. I, does that mean that Din Jaren's name is actually Jaren Din, and or was this just a creative decision that they're like, well, Grogu Jaren sounds weird, so let's just call him Din Grogu. That sounds better. Like that's really what it felt like to me—just a weird laziness with no explanation or anything. I'm just like, why? Why is he different of all the rest? Unless this is a foundling thing, they can explain it. But either way, the whole thing well, I thought was, was yeah, no, no, kind like... of silly and irrelevant. I was like, why? Why of all the things we could have spent time on? to breathe 
this is what we're spending time on to really be like, <laughs> his name is Din Grogu. Like, oh, Look, that's okay. all entirely okay. fair, you know? And, 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 you know, this is one of those things where Star Wars does this a frustrating amount where it's a hand wavy sort of thing. And then they let goofballs like us read the reference books and, you know, they pay other goofballs to write the reference books to make sense of it all. And then, you know, and then we do the legwork and, and we explain it. Yeah. You know, people throw that word around retcon, but, uh, you know, I think it's more just uh, help it make sense. You know, it's not changing necessarily. Uh, it's just it's just filling in that backstory. They'll just say something and then and then move on. But um, but you know, more broadly, like, and this is a this is a great way to say the 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 Mandalorian or at least Children of the Watch code has been very much seemingly improvisational to those of us who aren't uh, initiated. Maybe they all know the characters do, but you know, we hadn't heard anything about travels and and whatnot so definitely seems subjective (laughs) yeah right so you know and that feeds back to my point of this is a cult and it needs to it needs to uh go away but um but yeah so you know moving into season four you know they set it up by going back to uh aldani i believe is the planet where the new republic has that base and uh and Din meets with Carson Tava and it, it talks about, you get some nice cameos there. You get to see Trapper Wolf again and, uh, you know, the rest of the other Hold directors. In the background. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it, you know, I like it. I think they're kind of bringing back in the Rangers of the new Republic type of idea, hunting down these warlords, the bounty hunting for a purpose. Um, you know, Eric, you, you teed this up earlier saying how he just left Bo-Katan. Um, my, my counter to that would be, I, I think Bo-Katan's on board with this saying, Hey, you know, go fight the empire, you know, let's, let's bring these forces together off the right. books and, and try to sweep up some of the, some of the fascist crumbs that are laying around out here. Um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Then that, that, um, pursuing, uh, the story in that direction warranted 15, 30, 60 seconds of transition. Yep. That that's the point, right? This is, this is the constant refrain is, yeah, we get it. We know what, happened and what needs to happen but why couldn't we just take a second we're we're really not paying to host this stuff by the minute there's no network restrictions so you know yeah i i totally get all that it's very valid this was sorry exceedingly forced yeah um I, you know I, I just i just i just can't go all in with just accepting that those that those necessary transitions for those important characters at those important moments of their quote unquote song and their story um, that that we weren't able to be a part of that. Yeah, there's an interesting balance here, too, because Andor, I feel like, does this perfectly. Andor doesn't explain anything to you. They show it and they they demonstrate it, but they have pacing and, and they kind of walk you through it without having to hold your hand. They jump from one scene to the other and you're like, wait, what's happening? But then you realize, oh, if I was paying attention, they did explain this through visuals, through what was happening. Yep. So literally just like a nod and a wave from Bo-Katan be like, Oh yeah. Okay, great. You know, they, they clearly had a conversation. It's implied. We don't have to, you know, so I'm not, I wouldn't be advocating for holding the audience's hands, but, but come on. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And you know, I think I'm at a place where I'm very excited about where this is going. Um, I like that they reset this. I like that they retook Mandalore. Um, I personally really hope that Gideon is finished. Uh, you know, uh, the quality of his finishing, notwithstanding, um, you know, but, because it does set up for some really cool, interesting 
story threads moving forward. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm a Thrawn fanboy, but, uh, but we're getting that in Ahsoka. So that's, that's fine. Um, generally speaking, what do you guys think about where we're at moving forward? Are you excited for season four? Uh, and, and how do you think we're going to find our characters? Michael, you first. Can I just say something slightly controversial we've gotten into before? I've heard this sentiment um, on the internet and other places, and I'm going to repeat it here. I don't think Disney understands lightsabers. I think, once again, this is another... We, we got real close in Boba Fett when we got that opening sequence with Mandalore or with Din Djarin, and he was, you know, he burned himself with a lightsaber. He's carrying around a head in a you know, bag and drops on someone's desk, and that was really cool. I don't know if Boba Fett was meant to be a more mature audience, but the number of times Bo-Katan swang that thing through, sure, Beskar armor, but going for the neck and for the arms and for there to be no dismemberment, no limbs, no nothing. I was very disappointed. And and the whole time we've seen the Darksaber, it's kind of just like, it looks like the most non-violent, non-lethal weapon we've seen, even though we know it is, even though we know it can slice right through things, they use it as a tool. not so. So in terms of the overall view of where things are going, I'd like to see that fixed maybe in the future. Um, <laughs> I thought it'd be cool to see maybe, maybe Grogu will, uh, will recover the crystal and maybe he'll make his cell, you know, a little, a little Jedi, uh, little Jedi Mandalore uh, lightsaber thing going on. I don't know. I did see um, that. I saw the, the sort of black Kyber crystal theory going around. I think there's, there's some legs to that. It, it makes sense. It, I, yeah. I, I, I buy I that. I see it. Uh, I'd like to see, I hope we're not done with, uh, Bo-Katan. I, I, I really enjoy watching Katie Sackhoff. I think it's a good position for her, uh, the character I'd like to see more of it. I want to know where the Wrens are and all of that mm. whole group. Um, I'm sure that'll come up. They're not because these two factions are both offshoots of, of the death watch. So like, where's the rest of the factions that were all Mandalorians? I'm surely they're not, you know, they didn't all die out. There's others that are scattered around. Where's Boba Fett, you know, whether or not he's a Mandalorian, uh, I'd like to see a lot more of those threads pulled in for the last season. So, yeah, no, Besides fair enough. my lightsaber soapbox. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know, there, there's there's more to say there. I think you're you're right to an extent. This one I didn't have as much issue with because again, the best car. Um, I think that was that was the intent there. But um, but yeah, I, that is a that is a problem that I've seen. Just a lot of the the sort of lightsaber fights, they're not as as uh, as graphic as they could be, um, for sure. And it's not like this show doesn't do graphic. It's not like this show doesn't do violence. We had a guy decapitated by a door in the very first episode. They didn't <laughs> show it exactly, but but they, you know, there were sound effects. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. Like, we got for real sure. close. <laughs> um, so moving forward into season four, Eric, what do you think? Uh, what are you excited for, uh, given the, the gut punch that we all clearly took here on this one? Uh, you being the... The, the biggest uh, recipient. Um, what <laughs> what are your thoughts? Do you have any optimism uh, going into Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and uh, Mando Season 4? I, I always have optimism. And please don't ever take any of my critical comments as um, being overtly negative or just being controversial for the sake of being controversial. I just hold this, I hold this mythology in such a high esteem that I, 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 have dec- I have decades worth of standards and expectations that have been set for me, and I'm not willing to move off away from them just for any type of commercial or fad type situation. So in regards to where, I, you know, season four, I'm going to leave myself wide open. I'm just going to say it now. If we get into season four, whatever it may be, and it doesn't have anything to do with the Shadow Council or hunting down these remnant imperial warlords or 
separate imperial remnant factions. And we, it was actually the best, in my opinion, the best part of all of season three were those moments in the seventh episode. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be bitterly, bitterly disappointed. And no matter of, no matter of any optimism or, 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 or laughter is going to take me, <laughs> it's going to bring me back to that. But yeah, I, I, I hope that um, whatever, you know, the things that we left off in season three, um, I, I, my, my, I'm, I'm fully uh, wanting to step off uh, in that direction again with a full step uh, at the beginning of season four. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it was one of those where they wrapped everything up nicely for better, or for worse. And sure, there was a, a good bit of worse in this one. You know, the delivery wasn't necessarily what we all hope for. Um, but I think if you look at it like a like a history textbook of what happened, I like everything that happened. And so, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah. The idea of hunting down war criminals and, and uh, you know, warlords makes a lot of sense. I love that. Um, you know, it's very, it's going to be back to the sort of serialized roots. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's some positives here and I think leading into the Ahsoka show and then who knows what skeleton crew is going to be like, um, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of anticipation that at least that I have that, you know, we're going to see a lot of those Imperial things. Uh, you know, you'll probably get a lot of that in the Ahsoka show. Um, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, seeing Thrawn and Pelion interacting with this broader council, who knows, maybe we will get, uh, Admiral Sloan or somebody else show up. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that could happen. And I think the, the, the fields are, are fertile uh, to see some stuff grow. Right. Um, but yeah, it would, it would have to do it and it'd have to do it uh, pretty quick because this one it's disappointing. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's hard for me, the, the perennial optimist to sit here and, and not say that, you know, it, it was deflating, you know, for sure. But, uh, but there's a lot of great stuff coming. Um, we've got, the next the next episode, I think we're going to talk uh, our thoughts on the season generally, and then also I'm going to be working my way through uh, Jedi Survivor. Uh, Michael, are, are you going to be able to get that one as well? Yes, I'm already several chapters in actually. Okay, so that's the oh, the book, oh, the book, but sorry, the, yeah, the, the game, game itself. Yeah, 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 play the game, of course. Uh, sweet. So, so yeah. So I'm gonna be. I'm working through the game, uh, working through the book. So we'll have a lot to discuss there. And Eric, you can uh, you can pepper us yeah. with questions, and we'll get you and, up. And to if speed. I could, yeah, if I could. I want to throw one more photon torpedo down. Go ahead. You know, down the target. Um, and I'm gonna defend you here because, as my friend, I know your love and affinity and affection for all things Thrawn. And I just want to say that it was a crime that the last shot of this season of The Mandalorian was that embarrassing Bonanza style the family seventies <laughs> circle. Like we're all here in Little House on the Prairie, right? And wasn't and wasn't even just hearing something about some Imperials and then hearing Thrawn's voice in the background. <laughs> Our last shot of this season was that and that's that's all folks <laughs> that is that is unforgivable unforgivable I, can folks I, can out I, there unforgivable can I, can I say one thing in defense it. of that as much as i agree i hated it and i don't get me wrong i actually enjoy this episode more than it seems i probably let on here but it was a cheesy wipe and lucas does love his cheesy wipes and that's one of my biggest complaints of some star wars stuff is when they don't have their cheesy wipes so the the weird pause 
it was was off putting for sure. That was that was where it went from a, a Star Wars. <laughs> I just Wars had to say, okay, I'm I am off my soapbox now, guys. No, no. I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> I love it, man. Like I said, this is this is the thing. You know, discussion. It's it's uh, there's going to be some emotions, uh, you know, and it's all fair. Um, you know, I think all these critiques are positive. Like you said, Eric, you got standards. You know, not to say that uh, you know, obviously we don't, but uh, but you know, it comes from a place of love. That's the point, right? There's no there's all no from the heart, my friend. All from the heart, absolutely, right? So yeah, there's a lot of stuff uh, to be excited about in the future. Um, we're, we we ate our vegetables this time and uh it's it's gonna be fun moving forward so next week we'll get into our thoughts on the season and then uh some some jedi survivor goodness and uh we'll have it all for you on program on program, on program.